When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is May 31st, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Are you near Asheville, North Carolina? I'm going to be there on June 4th at 4 p.m. at a bar. I don't know which one yet. I'll put it on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash pitcherlist. I'll also put it inside the PL Plus Discord to let you know where I'm going to be, but I'm going to be there around 4 p.m. It's going to be a small meetup. I'm going to have some fun people there. Just come hang out. We're just going to, you know, just talk about baseball. Just for a bit. It's going to be a good time. Uh, if you are curious about it, just send me a DM on Twitter. Uh, and I hope you can make it. That's Asheville, North Carolina, 4 p.m. this Sunday, June 4th. And bar to be determined. I'll put it out on Twitter. Kodai Senga yesterday absolutely dominated against the Phillies. We're going to watch him on YouTube after this podcast. So definitely check that out if you want more on Senga. Very quickly, the Ghost Fork, 41% CSW with 12 over 29 whiffs. That is... The world of Senga. And it's really important to understand that the rest of his repertoire is not special. Uh, I, I really did a dive into it inside the SP Roundup, just going over each of those pitches, the slider, the cutter, and the four seamer showcasing why it's not things, it's not really an, an arsenal that without the splitter we'd be excited about in the slightest. And keep in mind that that splitter, forkball, whatever you want to call it, I call it a splitter, it's a 47% strike rate before last night. So, that's the volatility of this pitch. Yesterday, it was a 62% strike rate. So there you go. You get 22 whiffs, 30% CSW, right? Uh, you get nine strikeouts and seven shutout innings with just one hit and zero walks. That's Kodai Senga in a nutshell. It's very volatile. So that's why he is a cherry bomb. Miles Michaelis also had a phenomenal day. Eight innings, zero runs, three hits, one walk, and 10 strikeouts against the Royals. 38% CSW for a King Cole here. 10 strikeouts, 14 whiffs. This was a 48% CSW in both the sinker and the curveball. And keep in mind, the curveball has a 23% CSW for the season. So I don't really think this is a game that defines Michaelis. It's uh, his four-seamer had about three times the swing strike rate that it normally has. Uh, the sinker had a 42% called strike rate. You guys know this wasn't it. That said, Michaelis is... Still a Toby, and he's going to be decent at that, and he gets the Rangers next, and we don't do that. So, don't change your perception too much of Miles Michaelis. Be thrilled that you got this. I mean, it was against the Royals. You should have been starting Miles Michaelis. Good. Don't start him against the Rangers. Cool. Zach Gallen. Ace is going to ace against the Colorado Rockies. It was Rocky Road. Got the win. Six innings, zero earned runs. Five hits, two walks, seven Ks. This is what he should be doing. I will mention, though, Zach Gallen is not totally fixed yet. The last three starts, including this one, have all come with worse command than we want to see from Zach Gallen. So I hope that that will improve in time. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Zach Gallen, good. We're not going to do anything different, and we got to hope that he comes back to uh, his old self in full. Ben Lively against the Red Sox, 5.2 innings, zero and runs, four hits, two walks, and six Ks. 
against the Boston Red Sox, got the win, and that's three straight starts of productivity from Ben Lively. No more Raggedy Ann. I mean, he is, uh, I don't know, uh, jiving Ann? I, I don't know. He is uh, polished and put together Ann. <laughs> um, four-seamer was elevated effectively. The slider stayed low. He gets the Brewers next. I would not ignore Ben Lively against the Brewers next. I think he's in too good of a groove to ignore that. Uh, you get Zach Greinke against the Cardinals. Came through here. Five innings, zero under runs, two hits, one walk, and six Ks. This might be the best start we've seen from Greinke all year. He doesn't really go much more than five innings, though. 48% CSW on the four-seamer, which is wild. He does get the Marlins and the Reds outside of Cincinnati next. Ugh. He hasn't gone six innings. Since April 16th, the whip is below 120, though. Maybe. I can see it working still, like it did here. Wild. Bryce Elder has been on a roll. Got the athletics, so we didn't expect any failure here, and we didn't get it. 7.1 innings, one earned run, five hits, three walks, five Ks. Yep. There you go. We know it's a Vargas rule. Every analyst is, by law, required to tell you that Bryce Elder is a sell high. Not going to hold it. All of that kind of stuff. But you just keep holding it until it hits the wall and then you move on. You know this. You can't really trade anything for Bryce or yeah, get anything for Bryce Elder. If someone wants to, awesome cash out. You're not going to. Tony Gonsolin against the Nationals. Six innings, one and run, three hits, two walks, and two strikeouts. Almost a how am I going to butter my bread with this? It's like it just got enough. Just enough butter. Um, against the Nationals, got the win. We all know that the BAPIP is stupid low for, for Gonsolin right now. 7% CSW on the splitters, but 80% strikes. So that's kind of cool. Maybe there's something to be said about the Dodgers' defense and the fact that these splitters are the pitches that are getting hit into play could suggest that the BABIP is somewhat real. It's just a Vargas rule in my view. Um, I, th- I think that Gonsolin is okay, but he's not really... like That means two strikeouts, guys. Uh, four whiffs and 20% CSW. It's a... It's a roll of the dice every time, and it's going his way. I'm happy it is. JP Sears against Atlanta. Six innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, and two strikeouts against Atlanta. 13 whiffs, though. The whiffs are back. 27% CSW. What's kind of interesting, though, what whiffs did we see? It wasn't really on the four-seamer. Four-seamer is kind of all over the place. It wasn't really elevated. Instead, we saw three out of 16 whiffs on the sweeper. 2 out of 12 on the slider, and 4 out of 15 on the change. So it was actually a diverse crew of whiffs here, and 4, I guess, on the uh, the, the fastballs as well. He gets the Pirates next. This is much better than Atlanta, so all right. I guess we're, we're in on this. Um, I wouldn't say that Sears is this locked-in pitcher who's just so ready to soar, but yeah, you start him against the Pirates, who are now nothing like they were in April. Brandon Bilak against the Twins got the win. 5.2 innings, one earned run, three hits, three walks, and six Ks, 14 whiffs, 31% CSW. I don't really think this is too real. The changeup was really well located down in arm side in that quadrant of the zone, right? Uh, the down and away to a lefty quadrant. Everything else was just kind of like randomly, you know, imagine you you just drop off the kids at Chuck E. Cheese and they just go running around. That is what <laughs> uh, the other pitches did. And I don't really think this is too sustainable against better offenses. I don't really think the Twins are that good. But Bylight gets the Angels and then the Guardians and then the Nationals next while pitching for Houston. Pitching for Houston is a good thing. So this could work. 
there are a lot of these really nice deep streaming options in the next week or two. And I think Bialak is in that group. Is Kyle Hendricks? Is Johan Aviedo? What about Brian Bayo? Maybe even Sean Manaya? Ranger Suarez? We'll talk about all of those after this break. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Cal Hendricks won against the Rays, five innings, one and run. But six is three walks in just three Ks, didn't get a win. Not worth it. This is a streaming loss in my book. If you went for this stream, his arsenal isn't quite there yet. Uh, Kyle Hendricks at his peak, to me, was about changeups and curveballs being very effective pitches. The curveball, is you just threw three of them here. And that puts too much of a reliance on the sinker to dominate. Same with this changeup. That's not it for me. It's a good changeup, though. Really, really nice spots with it. That's looking good. Um, I think you don't chase it quite yet. Johan Aviedo against the Giants. 4.1 innings. One earned run. Three hits. Five walks and five games. This was really interesting. Um, I watched some of this. And you can actually see it in the strike zone plot, too, really well. Johan Aviedo was uh, flying open with his uh, glove shoulder a bit too much, which essentially means that you throw up and arm side too often. Everything is just going too... When you open too quickly with the glove, that means the arm is lagging behind, and when the arm is lagging behind, then you uh, your release point is too soon, which then goes up and arm side. I saw this with like 40% of his pitches. I'm not even kidding. So, Aviedo clearly doesn't have his command, but it's a tweak away, right? That is something that you just got to really focus on staying close as much as you can. Mentally, that actually does a whole lot. Um, Catchers, if you ever see a pitcher struggling, just say, hey, keep the shoulder closed. I'm not even kidding. Just say that, even if that's not the problem. Having them focus on that does wonders. Brian Bayo against the Reds. Uh, four innings, one earned run, five hits, two walks, four Ks. It reads like a line where he didn't, he got pulled early, but no, 97 pitches. The slider went zero for 27 whiffs with a horrible 44% strike rate. Ugh. No. And now Bale gets the Rays and then the Yankees twice? Yeah, I'm not doing that. Mm-mm. No way. Bayo, I think, is kind of a frozen banana after this one. Like, we'll talk to him in, like, three weeks. Something like that. Frozen banana, if you don't know, is one where you might want a banana later, but not now. John Berbia opened once again for the Giants as Sean Manai, who went about, like, 21 pitches in the previous game that he appeared, went four hits, zero earned runs, three walks, three Ks in four innings, and just 53 pitches. And what's most interesting here, this was against the Pirates, though, so keep that in mind, is Sean Manai hasn't really taken advantage of good matchups in the past, 
But this was a new slider. This was actually the loopier one that we've seen in the past. Four ticks down in velocity, 38% CSW. He had extra vertical movement and extra horizontal movement, as you should expect from a four-mile drop, mile-per-hour drop in your slider. That's interesting. And the fastball still up 94, 47% CSW. Yes, 53 total pitches. Yes, against the Pirates. Something, maybe. Uh, look, I'm, I'm the kind of person that won't count a guy out completely if there's a change. And no, I'm not going to say, hey, right now we're going to do it. But I am going to say, look, if he continues to do it and has this change sustainable and success is there, well, then we're going to take note of that. Ranger Suarez against the Mets, 6.2 innings, 200 runs, 5 hits, 2 walks, and 4 Ks. Ranger Suarez gets the Nationals next. This was against the Mets. And the command, honestly, kind of dug it. He went all around the zone well. Four seamers were up in uh, glove side, which I love to see that. I uh, love to see the change up down. The curveball was looking good. I got sinker for called strikes. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. He gets the Nationals next. Yep, I think I'm in on Ranger Suarez for the next start. Uh, Shane McClanahan against the Cubs. Ace is going to ace-ish. 5.2 innings, two earned runs. Fine. But six hits. Eh, whatever. Singled out maybe a little bit. Two hit, two walks, seven Ks. He only had one out of 28 whiffs on the slider and curveball combined, which is not it. There, There is a reason why he didn't absolutely soar against the Cubs. You need 98 pitches for this. And a lot of people say, oh, the Rays, oh, 5.2 innings. 98 pitches, okay? There's a difference. There's a huge difference of the Rays saying, oh, it's five innings. You're out at like 72 pitches versus, versus, I feel like I'm the Smash Brothers announcer, 98 pitches in 5.2, right? Taj Bradley got removed from his game in 5.2 innings because he was at 90 pitches. The Rays do that. They, they care more about the pitches than they do the innings. So if you get better as a pitcher and become more efficient, then you will go deeper into games regardless of pitching for the Rays or not. Yusei Kikuchi against the Brewers got the win. So if you streamed him for this, great. Five innings, two runs, fine. Four Ks, eh. Eight base runners, 1.6 whip. Is it worth it? I think so, because he got the win. You know, it's like two base runners away from being 120 whip. Fine. Slider went over 14 whiffs, but for the third game in his last four, Yusei Kikuchi has thrown all of a sudden 20% plus curveballs after being like a sub 10% pitch. And that was a 40% CSW offering. Uh, it's actually been really good for him this year. Yusei Kikuchi's curveball has been about a 60% strike rate with sub-20% hard contact and about a 31% CSW. That was before yesterday's game, which was better across the board there. So that's that's interesting. I really, again, once, you know, I want to repeat, I appreciate when pitchers make a change that benefits them in season, and I'm not going to just say, oh, the pitcher is what he is. Now, this was against the Brewers, and having that good four, uh, sorry, curveball still resulted in five walks. So we're not out of the woods. But I do think that this shift toward a curveball is a benefit for Kikuchi. I'm curious how the rest of the arsenal plays out moving forward. Nestor Cortez against the Mariners. Five innings, 200 runs, five hits, three walks, and six Ks. Very similar to um, some other lines that we've seen tonight. The slider is getting strikes again. That's good. I think he was too reliant on the four-seamer while it wasn't electric. 11% swing strike rate, seven whiffs on 61 thrown. The cutter and slider gained strikes, which is good. It's it's almost there, but I feel like this extra element of execution isn't quite at the point where we want to see with Cortez. 
I feel like there's going to be one game where that confidence comes back, where he really is able to just overwhelm in and out of the zone, and we're close. So the White Sox are next, especially with that slider now actually getting strikes from him is a big deal. So White Sox are next. I know they're better against lefties than they are righties. We're still starting him for that. So hopefully that is that outing. Kyle Gibson performs how he does regardless of opponent. We know this. Of opposition. I like that better. 5.2 innings against the car- the Guardians. Got the win. Can I just stop there? Because <laughs> it's 300 runs, 7 hits, 1 walk, and 3 Ks. This is after having a dominating outing, what, against the Yankees, like, or the Jays or something like that? It's, Kyle Gibson, what? It's, it's wild. Zero out of 40 whiffs on cutters plus sinkers combined with a 15% CSW between them. How does this... Okay, Kyle. I wonder if he needs that extra hit of adrenaline or something. I don't know. Because he performs really well against great offenses and not good against poor ones. I don't get it. Lucas Giolito against the Angels. Got the win. Five innings, 300 runs, four hits, two walks, five Ks. 17 whiffs, though. 33% CSW. The slider was so good. 11 out of 40 whiffs. Oh, boy. 38% CSW, which is nice to see him adapt with that because the changeup was not nearly as good as we've seen. 93.2 mile per hour fastballs is just fine with me. I just don't want to see that dreaded 92 mark. So we're kind of in this land of purgatory as we haven't really seen... Giolito have all three and consistently perform with all three. So we get the the Yankees next for Giolito. We wish him the best there. I hope, you know, I feel like Giolito is going to be good enough through the year. Like, you're not going to be at a point like, I cannot believe I held on for, to Giolito for this long. But we're still in this purgatory. Ryan Weathers got the Marlins. Didn't matter. Ten base runners in four innings, three hundred runs. No, thank you. On the other side of that was Sandy Alcantara, 6.1 innings, 4 and runs, 5 hits, 5 walks, 3 Ks. What's kind of interesting to me, I, I feel like every start is a careful Icarus for Sandy Alcantara. If you don't know what that is, essentially if you go 5 or 6, really if you go 6 innings of, of production and then you continue to go on in the game and you lose that the beneficial start, like in the 7th inning is where you get messed up or the 8th inning, that is a careful Icarus. You flew too close to the sun, right? And what happened here, Sandy Alcantara threw six innings against the Padres. Six innings pitched, two earned runs, four hits, three walks, three Ks. Not not like aced them, but that's a three ERA with a 117 whip and, you know, and a quality start, right? Like, that is great. We were fine with that against the Padres. But then he allowed two walks in a single, got pulled, um, and... We got one out, you know, and then the other run came through. So that's like two extra earned runs. And there goes the quality start. Sandy Alcantara is not the guy. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that he is the same person. It's just bad luck and all that kind of stuff. No, we know this. Um, I'm trying, I'm expressing these things because I feel like the perception can, is so easily swung one way or the other. And there's a major difference between allowing those runs in the seventh inning than consistently through the game and being laborious through all the innings. It kind of showcases that this pitcher is really good and then has lapses versus is uh, not that good and has peaks. Does that make sense? And we have to translate, which is it? I think Sandy Alcantara's stuff, we all kind of know, is great. I think his wielding of the slider is not what it has been in the past. And he hasn't really uh, surgically taken down opponents as consistently as I've seen before. I think this is something that clicks in. I think it's something that uh, there will be some day that where it feels great 
and there you go. Bam, Sandy Alcantara is off to the races. So if, if some people say, you know what, this isn't the year of Sandy Alcantara and stuff like that, you can if you want. I, I, I can see myself now in October, November through like February saying, well, beginning on June 16th, Sandy Alcantara through the rest of the year had a 2-4-3 ERA with a blank, 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 blank. And I'll be like, I'm in for 2024. I, I, I'm like so willing to bet that that's the conversation I'm going to have. So I feel like Sandy Alcantara is a good buy low right now. If you disagree, I totally understand. You know, this is just how I see it. I, yeah, that's all. We've seen stories like these before. Jake Irvin against the Dodgers. Don't care. Kyle Freeland in Arizona. Don't really care. He didn't do well. One strikeout. How am I going to butter my bread with this? Uh, Joe Ryan against the Astros. Finally had his disaster start. He didn't have one the entire time. I feel like everyone has at least one. 5.2 uh, innings uh, of five. So four innings of five earned runs. Excuse me. Four hits, three walks, and six Ks. It happens. He didn't have a splitter. His four seamer was a little worse command-wise than we've seen. Good sliders. Things are fine. It was the Astros. We move on. Logan Gilbert didn't do well against the Yankees. The splitter wasn't able to do its things because the Yankees jumped on the fastball. Once again, like they did against Bryce Miller. It's kind of interesting. The Rays are built on four seamers. Which is good. I think it's the way you should be built as a team. Um, Gilbert and Kirby and Bryce Miller and it was Robbie Ray and I uh, and Lucas Giolito. The Yankees are showcasing that they can hit fastballs well. And they are cheating on them in the way that they are aggressively going after them. And that means that Gilbert and Kirby and Bryce Miller need to showcase their secondaries more and effectively. And Bryce wasn't able to do that. Gilbert actually did its best with his slider. 34% usage and wasn't bad. But the Yankees, yeah, they they jumped on some of them. They jumped on the curveball, which was over the zone. They jumped on some fastballs, and that's that. Um, I really would not ding Gilbert for this one. Uh, I think it's just one of those days. Uh, Martin Perez against the Tigers. You're supposed to do well here. Look at Michaelis. You're not supposed to go 4.2 innings with 600 runs and four walks and seven hits. I mean, he gets the cards raised and Jays, so I don't really need to give you any sort of analysis. You can just drop Martin Perez. There's really no reason... To hold on through it. I can't imagine that Martin Perez is worth the hold through the next two to three weeks for whatever is wor- is after. I guarantee you, if you follow my streaming rankings, you will have a better time um, just even being selective. Like one every five games, getting the streaming pick I choose. Just whichever one you like is better than Martin Perez. Adrian Hauser against the Jays, 4.1 inning, 6 runs and 11 hits. It's like... Don't just throw fastballs against the Jays. Alex Fajardo. There's a lot of hype about him. I saw some interesting uh, conversation about Fajardo with his eight strikeouts last two games. You can, sh- and this is, I think, I think what is um, a, a showcase of a kind of my mentality versus other mentalities where mine is wrong and others are right. Sometimes this is a case where my approach, I think, does highlight the things here. So my approach is saying, hey, look. Fajardo is made up of a good slider, not a good fastball, and not really a good changeup, and like that's it, right? And as as long as he has an amazing slider, we hope that the other stuff is good enough, and that's why Fajardo has success. And using and, and understanding that the opponent is going to sway that favorably more so for Fajardo, and having a really tough matchup is going to make that very difficult to execute. However, if you look at, um, hey, he has a lot of strikeouts in this amount of time, which then equates to this kind of FIP and this kind of K-minus walk and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not going to, you know, that's that's going to suggest that maybe he can pull it off against the Rangers. 
this is this is what this is the difference of approaches that we have. And uh, sometimes I do get too lost in the repertoire, and I don't look at the actual just like flat out number of like, hey, generally he's good or bad. Um, so there's there's positive and negatives for both. Uh, for Fiedo, it worked out this way, but maybe he was, you know, there was a chance that Fiedo was going to come through despite all the things that I mentioned. So, and this one didn't do well against the Rangers. I think you should pick and choose uh, with Fiedo. Um, it's also very volatile if that slider does show up. Tyler Anderson against the White Sox, four innings, six earned runs, six hits, two walks, and three Ks. The change in McCutter actually had 13 whiffs between them, um, but they were a little too elevated a lot. Like they were hit or miss. And uh, a lot of like thigh high pitches here. So he goes against the Cubs next. I feel like Anderson isn't really the guy to go after. He does look closer to his prime self in that actually in that start yesterday than I expected. But it's the Cubs and the Rangers next. And he gets the Royals after that. So that's like in three starts. That one, honestly, if Anderson has similar command, then yeah, okay. Like he can. How Anderson performs the next two games, like the bottom line, I don't really care about. It's more about, is he locating well? Like he could locate well and still not do well against the Cubs and Rangers, Tyler Anderson. Man, I'm so long in this podcast, I don't care today. <laughs> but if if he has the execution working for those two starts, then I think the execution will has a good chance of producing uh, you know, fantasy relevance against the Royals for Tyler Anderson. And lastly, it's Cal Quantrill. And he did not do well against the Orioles. 4.1 innings, 8 earned runs, 8 hits, 2 walks, and 3 Ks. And I do wonder, that's two duds in a row for Quantrill. If he has a third, you know, there have been a lot of questions like, oh, Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee, what are the Guardians going to do? Because they have Shane Bieber, and they have Cal Quantrill, and they have Aaron Savali, and Tristan McKenzie. And what happens when all those guys return? And I think it might be Cal Quantrill, guys. I don't know. I mean, Tanner, you cannot remove Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee at this point. You're obviously not going to remove Shane Bieber. So Aaron Savali should be starting. And then Tristan McKenzie should be starting. Cal Quantrill, do, do they really need to do this? I mean, it's not going to be Hunter Gaddis and Penter, uh, you know, Penter. <laughs> Payne Banfield, I mean, he's hurt. But you understand my point here. So we'll see. And if Cal Quantrill does leave the rotation, let's just say that happens, right? Uh, and he just isn't good and they're just not doing that. It does kind of open the door for Gavin Williams on the next uh, the next person that falls off in Cleveland. Kind of interesting. Uh, I never root for any pitcher to fail. You guys know this. I want every single pitcher to be dope. Just showcasing what is going on here with Cal Quantrill, who I've always kind of thought doesn't do quite enough with the sinker-cutter combination that he does. High O-swing on the sinker. Um, that is how he gets his outs, in my view, to right-handers. And uh, it's not really working for him right now. Looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. We made it. 25 minutes, and we made it. Thank you so much for sticking around, by the way. I I had a promo code for PL Plus and PL Pro um, that I extended yesterday for a day. And you know what? You're you're listening so deep into this podcast. You're You're awesome. Really. Thank you all so much for sticking around, too. I got so many hateful dms yesterday uh, for putting for putting out that uh that shirt which is just being like inclusive to everybody if you didn't see it, it's baseball and with a a l l in uh pride colors i cannot tell i got dozens of replies on twitter and angry dms and all of this stuff and the fact that you're here and you're supporting this thank you um 
here's a promo code for PL Pro PL Plus if you're on the fence about it. Um, it's Nick is older, all in in caps. It's the one I used last week for the list. Uh, it's still activated. Um, so go go use that. You get twenty percent off whatever you want um, with our subscriptions. So go consider that. If you're curious about that shirt, go t- check it out on Twitter. It's my pinned tweet at twitter.com slash pitcherlist. All 100% proceeds of that go to the human rights campaign. So we're not making a dime off of that thing. That's just, I want that thing to exist. And I think it's a really cool thing. And we want to do it for a good cause. Okay. Today's starting pitching ranker, rankers, rankings. <laughs> uh, auto starts are Aaron Nola, George Kirby, Hunter Brown, and Mitch Keller. If you want to change the order of this, by all means, because the Mets and the Yankees are kind of tough offense as well. Hunter Brown against the Twins is kind of a decent matchup, and he could absolutely soar there. George Kirby might be a little scary after the Yankees took down Bryce Miller and Logan Gilbert. I'm very curious to see what happens there. And Mitch Keller had a stumble last time out. Maybe it's better against the Giants. It's a good situation inside of Oracle Park. But, uh, yeah, the Giants are a little bit better than I've been giving them credit. I keep saying that for the past three days, but I'm, I'm trying to just say it until I actually, like, fully just know it. <laughs> uh, probable start tier, it's Shane Bieber against the Orioles. I don't love it. I don't really love any of it, but probable start. I feel like if I have Shane Bieber, I'm going to start him in Camden. James Paxton against the Reds. I really hope that's, that fastball's in the zone. I really, really, really do. I think everything works once he's throwing 96 in the upper half of the zone. Uh, it's also the Reds on the road. I feel like that's okay. Zach Eflin against the Cubs. He's done really well. Stumbled last time out uh, where he didn't have his cutter. And I mean, I should say stumbled. He survived the Jays, but he really didn't have the cutter. And that kind of terrifies, terrifies me a little bit. While the Cubs are not that, you know, they're, they're like, they're good. They're above average in my view. So it's not the best matchup. Uh, but we're still going to start him. Lance Lynn against the Angels. He's had three great matchups. And now Lance Lynn has to get the Angels. And well, okay, this is this is the real start of the test for Lance Lynn um, as he's on the path of redemption. Blake Snell against the Miami Marlins. I'm doing it. The curveball was much better last time. I don't think the Marlins are good. I, I, I want to believe I'm doing it. Dane Dunning against Detroit. Might not have the start. Uh, so there are some whispers about a paternity leave. We'll see, but Dane Dunning has done enough to say, all right, you're worth, you're worth a stream against the the Tigers. He's actually not streamable, which is wild to me. I don't I, I don't think that you need to be rostering Dane Dunning and holding on to him, but hey, here you go. Probably start tier for Dane Dunning against the Tigers. And Justin Steele is at the bottom of this tier against the Rays. Yes, I prefer Dane Dunning. I feel like it's just safer. Justin Steele's fastball commit has been a little bit worse. And I... Justin Steele's slider isn't getting the chases out of the zone on a slider. So it, it's it's a little scary against the Rays, but I think if you have Justin Steele, you're going to start him. Uh, questionable start tier. We have Jared Schuster as a stream pick of the day against the Athletics. It's the Athletics. Jared Schuster has got his slider down the last two starts and it looked kind of good. I think this is the start that we get, that we actually get really excited hopefully about Jared Schuster I mean at the very least it's the athletic so I feel like the floor is good enough um Louis Varland against the Astros I love what he per, uh, brings to the table it's 94.5 not like 96 with the four seam, but still very effective I hate the schedule for him and it's why I've been as low as I am on the list for him but I feel like in like two weeks when the what three or four matchups that he has are done He's going to be really good. So this could still work out against the Astros. Braxton Garrett has a new cutter. It's been 
much better, but it's the Padres. Jaime Berea could do well with a slider against the White Sox. I feel like right-handed sliders against the White Sox are really effective. And Berea really leans on that. So that could actually be a productive stream for you if you want to chase something. Same with Tommy Henry in Rocky Road. Um, that is hosting the, the Rockies in Arizona. Big curveball on that. Alex Wood could come through against the Pirates. The fastball slider hasn't really been dominant, though, so a little hesitant on that. Clark Schmidt maybe gets a win against the Mariners, but I feel like there isn't enough in that repertoire. And same with Noah Syndergaard against the Nationals. It could be a whip burner and, uh, and low strikeouts, but you could steal a win. In the do not start tier, Carlos Carrasco against the Phillies. I don't, maybe the new curveball is good, but I feel like it's too risky. Luke Weaver in Boston, I feel like there just isn't enough there. James Caprillion against the Atlanta Braves. The, the four-seamer, actually, when it gets strikes, paired with the slider, can be very good. But this is Atlanta, I don't trust that command. Austin Voth is actually very interesting against the Guardians, because it's the Guardians, and Voth has shown streamability last year. But I just don't know what we're going to see. Alec Manoa, I just don't want to start him. Even though it's the Brewers, I just don't want to do it. Denilson Lamette, I'm curious about what we see there in Arizona as he finally starts again. I don't know how long he's going to go for and what the velocity is going to be and everything, but kind of curious. This is used, he used to be like a legit guy. He might be the lead for today. Then again, it is the Colorado Rockies that he pitches for, so half the games will be in cores, and that's very, very annoying. Julio Tehran, yeah, pitching for the Brewers against the Jays. No, thank you. Joey Wentz against Texas and Patrick Corbin against the Dodgers. We're up to tomorrow. Over 30 minutes. I love you guys. You guys are the best. I'm not taking a second ad break. Not doing it. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Gosman against the Brewers. Max Scherzer. This is all tomorrow. Auto starts. Max Scherzer against the Phillies. Pablo Lopez against the Guardians. Joe Musgrove against the Marlins. Chris Sale against the Reds. And Framber Valdez against the Angels. I buy, by the way, I want to tell you, I'm going to have a very quick one tomorrow. Because I'm going to be on a flight. I have to be on a flight about 11.15 to Asheville. So... I'm going to be recording super quickly in the morning. It's going to be like a 10, 15 minute one. I'm going to pretty much say, you, I told you about these yesterday. Okay. So Gosman, obviously ace against the Brewers. Scherzer against the, the Phillies. He had 20 whiffs in cores. I feel like he's looking like an ace right now. You do it. Pablo Lopez against the Guardians. I love it. Um, I really hope he, sh- he comes through with the change up here. Joe Musgrove against the Marlins. I hope the slider is back, but the curveball cutter were really good last time. I feel good about it. Chris Sale's been looking like an ace. He's against the Reds. That should be more goodness for Chris Sale. And Framber Valdez doesn't have his cutter, which is really frustrating. But you're starting him against the Angels. I really wish he has that cutter. Probable start tier. Hunter Green just dominated with 11 strikeouts and two walks. And now he goes into Boston. It's not in Cincy or it's not in Coors or whatever. So I really hope this works and you're going to do it if you have him. It's just too high of a ceiling not to. And even when he doesn't do well ratio-wise, the strikeouts make up for it. Tanner Bybee against the Twins. Um, I dig it. Uh, I think that Tanner Bybee hasn't quite showcased that he has all four of his pitches start to start, but he really just needs three, and the Twins aren't that good. Jesus Lazardo has been a whip killer, but everything else has been great. So I hope that he gets more for- good fortune with his Hipper 9, which shouldn't be like 10. It should be like 8 or maybe even 7 uh, against the Padres. And Freddy Peralta performs how he does regardless of his opposition. He goes against the Jays, but I'm still doing it. In the questionable start tier, Reed Detmers is here against the Astros. It's a strikeout play. Maybe he actually does come through. I'm not going to rule that out. It might be time to drop Detmers because it's three terrible matchups in a row. Zach Davies is the stream pick of the day underneath that because, guys, I understand top of questionable start, but there are only four guys left. Uh, Zach Davies uh, is underneath Detmers. Rocky Road, I don't love this at all, but I recognize that this could work out with this changeup. Tywin Walker is going against the Mets, and it's just... 
chaos for him right now. And Chase Anderson against the Diamondbacks, like, I do not want to do that. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for sticking around. Wow, 35 minutes. You are the best. It's going to be a shorter one tomorrow. But thanks, everyone, for the support. Remember, Nick is older is the promo code all in caps for 20% off PL Plus and PL Pro. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. They may your babbits below and your strikeouts high.